again tonight, another day we get to live under the sun. Give you a couple minutes here. Live streamers, hello, welcome. So good to see you. We're so thankful that you made it a priority to come and learn about the Lord tonight with us. And we're just praying that whatever you need that the Lord will make that happen. If you have any prayer requests, please put that in the comments. We do look at those. We do pray for you. So go ahead and do that if you need to. Everyone take a seat. Let me get my announcements. We do have a few announcements, and there have been the same ones, but please, if you have questions, make sure you ask so you will know. Um, we do have the school supplies box in the back, so if you see any school supplies, grab a couple extra so that our children here, um, we're going to distribute them through the church and give any leftovers to the local elementary school and bless those families as well, so a simple way to sow a seed and your children will have that harvest they need. Amen. Um, this Sunday after church is our picnic at Maryland's Barn. Um, if you don't know where that is, please ask someone because that's going to be right after church. And, of course, she's going to provide chicken, but we need a side dish. You have some time to kind of plan what you want to make and get that on your grocery list. Again, that's going to be this Sunday, July 10th after church. July 16th, so not this Saturday, but next Saturday is going to be the women's gathering. We're going to do coffee and crafts. Um, so please sign up in the back. I know some of you have. We're so excited. This is hopefully going to be the first of many of these that we're going to get to do. We'll get to have a craft to take home and, of course, some ladies' time. Um, July 17th, Mike has asked that we bring back the baby bottles that we're collecting for Sycamore House. So you can give those to Mike, and that'll give him time to get those over there. Certainly, you don't have to fill them up. You can put whatever you have in there, but if you want to fill them up, of course, you know, there's no, no restrictions on generosity in that way. Um, lastly, we have the youth camp up on the bulletin board. So please take a look at that. That's coming up here. We're already in July. My goodness. If you have any questions, please see Pastor Kylan. Um, I know that's going to bless your kids, and that's going to be something just for the big kids. So I think I believe that's 5th through 12th grade. Yeah, so sign up and, and let your kid participate in that and, and just grow in the Lord in that way. Again, the poster's on the back. And that is all the announcements that we have. If you have any questions, please ask someone. Again, these are all events that are coming up really soon. But other than that... We're just going to go ahead and pray because we believe in the power of prayer, right? So let's just go ahead and let's bow our heads and let's seek the Lord today. Father, we just thank you for this house. We thank you for this house that you have built in every member that you have brought here, Lord, in person and on live stream. We thank you for this family of faith that you have brought together. And Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are a cornerstone, that, we, that you are who you say you are, and that we can trust in you. We thank you for what you have done for us, that we can come boldly to the Father. And so we do that tonight. Lord, we just, we just seek you. We ask you to be with us. We lift your name high because you are so worthy of that. 
Lord, we lift our eyes to you tonight because we have not forgotten where our help comes from. And we say that we need you, Lord. I thank you that you are so big and so mighty that you have made a way before we even needed, before we even needed you, God, that you have made a way. And I pray that you would be tonight, that you would send your dunamis power into this house, God, your dynamic and explosive power into the heart of every person that is here and that is watching. God, that you would provide whatever they need, that you would change us tonight. Lord, we ask that you would train us and equip us tonight that we could go out and be a light in the world at such a time as this God we pray that your truth would be loud in our ears we love you Lord and we thank you for loving us so be glorified tonight as we lift our voices to you God and receive the praise that we have to offer in the mighty name of Jesus Amen. Stand on your feet. Let's give him the glory tonight. Jesus, I'm 
just reminding me that when a flood comes, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't control where the water goes. You can't keep it out of your basement. Sometimes it's just coming. And when there's a wind, when there's a tornado, there is nothing that you can do to stop it. So when we sing this, do you want that? Do you want him to come like a flood where there's nothing you can do to stop his presence, where there's nowhere he's not going to be able to go in your heart? So we're going to sing this again. And if you want him to come like a flood and overtake every part of you from the top of your head to the bottoms of your feet, where he's going to get any sin out of you that you've been hiding. If you want him to come like a rushing wind, where it's going to blow you over and knock you off your feet. I want you to sing it with me. Oh, come like a flood and saturate me now. You're all I want. Oh, come like the wind and sweep throughout this Most 
Hallelujah. Thank God that even when we're running on empty, he never is. Hallelujah. Well, we're so glad to have you here with us tonight. If you would, just go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening. Hello, hello. Wait for everyone to sit down for a second. Okay. Well, I hope everyone is having a great day today, and we're just going to continue our worship and our offering for the Lord. Um, I was just thinking about what to say during worship, and then they played that second song. I'm not sure what it was called, but they talked about how he's our closest friend. And then when we played the bridge, he, we talked about how he's given us freedom and joy, and he just never stops giving to us. And so we're just going to give a little bit back to him today with our offering. And I hope we are all cheerful givers in our hearts, and I'm just going to pray here, and then you can bring it all down, okay? All right. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day. Um, I just pray for this offering, God, that you would bless it. And that we would all be cheerful in our giving, God. And 
that you would just put it in our hearts if that's what we're supposed to do. And it's just a testimony of our faith to you, God. And just help us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, okay, <laughs> Pastor Tim is, Pastor Tim Master is going to come preach for us today, so give it up for Tim. Family, woo, wow, that was like the power of God just hit the microphone, that was so good. Uh, I love being here with you guys, and I love, especially every time I come, something new is happening, um, and I hope Pastor Kylan's watching the live stream right now. He's not, but on the off he goes back and watches it. You guys got to do something about him decorating the, the boy's restroom down there. I mean, everything's fishing, he's wilderness disciples or something. I don't know. Anyways, I like to tell him that I like to be in the air conditioning. And he likes to make fun of me for it, so that's what happens. Anyways, can I tell you guys a really cool story? Lila got to participate in the missions trip this year down to Kentucky. She doesn't even know this yet, but I want, I want to share this story with you because it's really, really cool. So one of the things that I like to do with our missions trips is I really love to go and do service projects where we do something tangible in the community that, that shows the real love of Jesus in a real way that's going to last once we leave. And then hopefully the church that we partner with or whatever is able to reap a harvest from that, right? So here's the setup. We went and we built some handicap accessible ramps for some people who uh, were in need, elderly people, things like that. And one of the people that we built a ramp for, uh, she has polio. And so, like, it's, it's really painful for her to walk. She had ramps up to her porch. Anyway, so we decided we were going to build a ramp. We got to her house out and realized her porch was going to fall down at any moment, right? So we decided to build a whole new front porch and then build Did you not? We pulled it off, walked it over to a different part of her yard, sat it down, like gently, being nice, and it snapped off the moment we sat it down. Like, So then we built her a whole new front porch and then built a 40-foot handicap-accessible ramp. It had to go 20 foot down, and we had to build another platform and then bring it back 20 feet. It was insane, and none of us had ever done that before. It was quite the experience, but here's what's really cool is that this lady, her son lives right next to her, and here's the story I got from the pastor of the church that hosted us the day we left, so I don't know why I didn't tell you guys all this because I knew this before we left, but whatever. She tells me that day, we're packing up the church cleaning, remember, and she showed up to say goodbye, and she's like, hey, I just want you to know what happened, and I was like, what happened? She said her son had left, like, for two weeks before we got there. Him and his wife got in a big ordeal, and he was like, I'm out, I'm done, I'm not dealing with it anymore. He left for two weeks, left his wife and I think four kids, I think four kids back at the house, right? The Monday that we got there... He came back home to just take a couple of days, pack all his stuff up, say goodbye to his kids, and then leave for good, right? Tuesday, I don't think we did any work on house. Wednesday, Wednesday we showed up and started work. 
by the end of Wednesday, we had, I'd say, 90% of it done. I mean, the whole front porch was rebuilt. The two ramps were built. We just had to finish putting, like, the handrails up and a couple of the deck boards, right? So we go over Thursday morning, and we start working on it. Well, unbeknownst to us, Thursday morning, super early, her son went over to her house and was just like, why are they doing this? And she was like, I don't know. They just told me they wanted to love me and let me know Jesus loves me. And what's really cool is he was so moved by a bunch of teenagers coming to do this work that he told his mom, he said, look, I just, I don't think leaving's the right option. I think I need to work this out with my wife. And I think we're going to need church to do it. So if you will take us, we'll go back to church with you. That's not cool. I just think that's so cool. So anyways, that's why we do what we do. Lila got to participate on that. You should be very proud. She was awesome. And you should send more of your kids next year because it was, it was really good. It was a really good trip. So anyways, I'm excited about that. Also, youth camp, I, I run it. So if you have any questions about youth camp, I would love to talk with you. I'm really excited. We got, I think, 11 or 12 of your kids joining us this year. I know Decker's going to be brave and wherever he went. Yeah, he's going to come do it again. He, he did this once before, and he wants more of it. So, such a good guy. Pray for him because uh, it is rough on us leaders. That's who it's rough on. Lack of sleep and preteen boys are just a riot. Anyways, uh, it's going to be good. I want to preach tonight to you guys, and I want to do is I want to encourage you in your faith, and I want to reflect on how amazing Jesus is because if you're anything like me, uh, you fail a lot at following Jesus. Like as much as I, I was like super good at following Jesus, the longer I do it, the more I realize I really miss the mark a lot, right? Jesus is just, he's so good to us. And one way that he is so good is he tries to prepare us in advance. He's like, hey, I'm going to let you know, like, what the threats are ahead of time so you can be ready for them when they come. Like, you'll be able to identify what's happening before it even happens to you so you can be prepared. And I just think Jesus is awesome for that, you know? Like, it's really cool. So if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to start in verse number 1. And this is going to be a super familiar scripture to you guys, I'm sure, but we're going to dive anyway. So it says, that same day Jesus went of the house and sat by the lake, and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. All the people stood on the shore, and then he told them many things in parables, saying. Now, I want to stop right there. Parables by design are things that we have to really think about. Like, because when you first hear a parable, you're like, okay, I think I get it. I think I get it. But then the more you think about it, the more you're like, wait a minute. Is that really what I, I've got a little more. It's kind of like this. Proverbs, if you go read Proverbs, it literally starts off by letting you know this is a collection of Proverbs, parables, and sayings of the wise. Like you have to sit with them sometimes and be like, what does that mean? I don't get it. And so as we approach this, I think it's really healthy for us as, as Jesus followers to just come into it knowing Whatever I think this means, it might not mean that. There might be something more to it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, anyway, the way we're supposed to approach it. Here we go. He says, a farmer went.
the sun came up, all the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. There we go. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, and still others fell on good soil, where it produced crop a hundred, sixty, thirty times what sown. Whoever has ears, let them. Now, we might hear that, and we might initially, you know, we live in a lot of farm country. I, I totally know what that means, right? Like, if you don't sow seed in good places, you're not going to get a good harvest, right? If you sow the road, you're going to have a hard time because there's a road there. There's not much good soil, right? So on initial reading, we might go, yeah, Jesus, I agree with you. If I want to reap a harvest, i got to sow in good ground. And the church would say, Amen. But it can't be that simple. And here's why. Because the disciples are like, hey, we're going to need you to explain to us what that meant. So if they needed it explained, we probably need it explained. Right? You tracking with me? Okay. He for us, Jesus does this for us. Actually explains it. And so if you skip over to verse 18, in the same chapter, this is what Jesus says. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you speaking to your church, through your children, and you desire to give us your kingdom. Father, we want to know what you have for us. We want to know what it means to live and, and function and participate in your kingdom in this world. So help us, God. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you're speaking, and hearts your good soil to receive it. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I know I've got this raised up really high, but I did that so I don't have to keep bending over like this. It's getting harder to see it. I don't know. Maybe I need, maybe I need glasses. It happens to everyone, right? I mean, eventually we all die. It's fine. Anyways, I want to show you. <laughs> I want to show you. It's good to know that, too. The Bible says that, like, that's a heart of wisdom, so that you're not going to live forever, and what you do matters. So that's we, It's okay to acknowledge we're all going to die one day, or Jesus will come back. Either way, it's going to be okay for those who believe in Jesus. All right, so Jesus reveals to us in this parable, he's going to show us three enemies of our faith. Like, these are three ways that the devil... He's going to come and try to erode your faith in Christ. And I think it's really important for us to know these things. And the first one he mentions is this, a lack of understanding. When you don't understand what's happening, like the devil's playground to just come in and make stuff up. Well, just come in here and make it up. 
Like, let me give you an example. I'll give you an example. Uh, sometimes people believe that when bad things happen to them, that those things happen because maybe there's sin in their life. And we feel like maybe God is somehow like he's, he's getting in, he's punishing us for the sin, and that's just true. It's not true, right? Like, do bad things happen sometimes in life? Yes. Does it have anything to do with sin in your life? Maybe sometimes. Because our sin sometimes sets us up for stupid things to happen. Like, let me give you a great example. If I went home tonight and I decided, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to just go cheat on my wife. That would be sinful, right? Do you think that there's any pain or suffering that might come my way by making that decision? Correct. So sometimes our sin, like, just produces is its own outcome in our life. Like it just, it just does what it does and it messes us up. And Jesus wants to save us from that. That's why Jesus is like, hey dude, if you're lusting, pluck your eyeball out. That would be better for you than to deal with that, right? You see what I'm saying? Lack of understanding is an opportunity for the devil to come in and erode our faith. And so we need to know that. And we need to know, okay, in my journey with Jesus, what should I come to a place where I don't understand? I think the answer is praying and asking God to help me understand. Because the disciples, when they heard this parable, they were like, I'm going to need you to explain that to us. And Jesus did, which I think is awesome. It's a place in life when we don't understand something. And especially when that's something about God and our following Jesus. And thought this would Jesus, when I was with you, I didn't think this kind of stuff was going to happen. And and sometimes that misunderstanding gives the opportunity for doubt and the devil to get in and go, is this really real? Is, is this real? Like, do you really want to, is this what you want to give your life to? And Jesus loves enough to, hey, when it's lack of understanding, opportunity for your faith to be destroyed, right? And so how do we respond to that? We want to make sure that we're a people who to understand God's word and his scripture, right? We want to do that. I know the mic keeps cutting in and out. If that bothers you, I will just straight up turn it off and just, I can preach really loud, I promise. Would that be better? We can take a quick vote. If you'd rather me turn the mic off, just raise your hand. All right, okay. Sorry, Pastor Kylan. I was hoping this would happen.
Okay. Does that work? Oh, look at that. Hey, people, we're in business. Yes. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just going to stick it in my back pocket. There we go. We're doing good. We're good. We're good. Where was I at? Yeah. So, sorry. Lack of a strength. And, and, and so when suffering and persecution comes, here's one thing I like to think about. I like to, I like to think of it this way. Um, the gospel of Jesus and abundant life, our understanding of it has to work in every context around the world. Okay? So bear with me. If you decide to give your life to Jesus in Pakistan, where they will straight murder you for your faith, right? Like, you got to understand something. Me following the King of kings and Lord of lords who's leading me to abundant life, he's not here to steal, kill, or destroy. But where he's leading me might be a pretty painful place to walk sometimes, right? So it's got to work everywhere or it doesn't work. Does that make sense? So that means now i got to reframe my imagination of what does it mean to follow the good shepherd. Like, I don't think it's a mistake that Psalms 23 includes the valley of the shadow of death. Like, but the, what is the good news of Psalm 23 is that even when I'm there, he is with me. I'm not there alone. And I'm following the one who, even if I die, knows how to raise me back up again. Right, so we have to get the right mindset of this. Jesus himself was like, dude, I suffered. You can't expect to follow me and not suffer, right? But we know from Jesus that that's one of the ways that the enemy wants to try to destroy our faith is for us to get into a moment where something bad happens and him go, oh, that shouldn't happen. You must have done something. And now I think that God's like against me which is weird because I'm pretty sure the Bible says that he's for me, right? And that nothing can separate him or separate me from his love. So why, but now Jesus, because he's came and told me, now I know. It doesn't mean I'm going around like, Jesus, let the suffering come. No, I'm not doing, I'm praying, Lord, lead me as far away from that as possible. But if it comes, oh, it's not going to trip me up. I'm not going to, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I think it's so important for us to just take a moment to just realize, like, these are real threats to our faith. And that all of us, at some point in our lives, we're going to encounter these multiple times, right? I know what, for me, like, if you're a parent, I'm assuming most of us are the same. I remember my child one time when it was sick. It, I just said it, that's so weird. Why do we do that sometimes? Uh, my child, my, I think it was my was it my daughter or my, I don't remember. One of them was sick. And I just remember being like, and it was kind of dragging on a little bit. And I'm just like, come on, Jesus. Like, you know, you're the healer. Like, what is happening? And like, I was really kind of getting like angry, you know, and just like, and, and sh the, the child is fine now. But the point is like in the moment, I'm like, what is going on? Like, did I sin? Is my wife sinning? Which one of my kids sinned? You know, I'm like, what happened here? And then I just have to remember, oh, yeah. I live in a fallen world, and, I, and I'm saved, but I'm not perfected yet. Amen. Like, we're still, we're, Revelation says, like, Revelation is so good. The end of Revelation is like my favorite. Like, he's coming. He's coming back, and when he comes back, he's going to bring the kingdom in its fullness, and then there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more death, right? Amen. Well, we ain't there yet. We ain't there yet. 
So I'm looking with hopeful expectation for that time. And so having a proper understanding of what it means to follow Jesus right now includes knowing sometimes bad things are going to happen. But God will be faithful even in the midst of the bad times, right? He's going to be faithful to me. And that's why, that's why I'm always amazed by people in my church, and I'm sure you have some here, who, who are walking through some real stuff. We have some, some, some couples in, in the Botkins campus who have lost babies. And I just like, can't imagine anything worse than that. And yet their faith in God is so firm. And I just, I'm like, I want a faith like that, man, because I, I don't know for me to hold my child lifeless body, I, I just would be like, I, I don't know what I would do. That seems so incredibly like just tragic to even think about, right? But there's families in my church who have experienced this, and yet they're still following, which tells me there's something so good about Jesus. Right? There's something so real about His presence and His comfort that even in the most tragic places, He's able to just guide me straight through it. You, you see that? But i got to know, if I think that it's impossible for anything bad to happen to me once I follow Jesus, what Jesus says through this parable is, I will fall away the moment trouble comes. I have to have a faith in Christ that's deeper than persecution and suffering, right? Got to have a faith deeper than that. So we know that a lack of understanding is the devil's playground. He wants to come in and just mess with us when we don't understand what's going on. And we know that suffering and trials and persecution, that's one way the devil wants to try to mess with us. We have to know that that's what he wants to do so that we can be better than that, right? We can overcome. And then the final thing, and I think this one's very interesting, is Jesus says that it's the troubles of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches, I think they're connected for a reason. Because if you're an adult and you provide for people, when money starts to get tight, you start to worry. You start to go, what are we going to do? How's God going to come through? And it can lead us to a place of doubting that God's got us. Right? We believe that he's our source, he's our provision. There's plenty in Jesus for all of my needs. But when the worries of the life start to just mound up on us, and then the deceitfulness of riches, we start to think, man, if I just had more money, if I just had more money, this wouldn't be an issue anymore. And I think the temptation is for us to say, let me figure it out on my own. Let me go my own way. Because the Jesus thing ain't working out for me. I'm with Jesus, and I'm looking, and I'm going, this don't make sense. I don't think I can make ends meet. I'm not sure I'm going to feed my kids, right? And, and so the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, Jesus connected those two things together, and I think it's important for us to realize that because that's a struggle that most of us, you know, the Elon Musks of the world probably aren't ever going to deal with that, but the rest of us, we're going to have moments in our life when we're looking and we're going, this don't add up. Like A and B do not equal C. Something's going to go wrong here. And we can be tempted to maybe do something foolish. Maybe do something sinful. Maybe try to take advantage of somebody. You know what I'm saying? You guys tracking with me? Jesus wants us to know that these are very real threats to our faith. And that when we give in to these things, if I give in, if I allow the worries of this life to overwhelm me, then I'm going to miss out on the harvest that God has for me. 
If I allow suffering and persecution to destroy me, I'm going to miss out on the harvest that God's got for me, right? There is an abundance in Jesus that the devil wants to prevent us from having. And so we need understanding. We need to know that life as it currently is, is full of just difficult moments. That's, that's why we're supposed to be there. for. That's why we mourn with each other. The Bible says mourn with those who mourn because we're all in this thing together. We know this is going to happen sometimes, right? And so we just get together and we mourn. But you know what's amazing about biblical mourning? I, I got to share this with you because this was, like a, this was like a revelation for me when I kind of realized this. Mourning in Scripture isn't just being sad and depressed. Mourning is about us embracing the fact that there's tragic loss in this life, but at the same time looking forward to the hope of what's coming so that we don't stay there. You, you see what I'm saying? Like if I just get overwhelmed with grief and tragedy and sorrow, I can get stuck in this place and never move out of it. But biblical mourning is going, there's something better coming. Like we just got to hold on to hope. It's going to happen. He is faithful and true. He's not going to abandon us to the grave. Like we have a sure foundation in Christ Jesus, right? So we got to hold on to that. Peter, our good friend Peter in the Bible. Peter didn't always understand what Jesus was doing. Just like you and I don't always understand what Jesus is doing. And I want to I look at two of these moments because we're going to finish tonight with looking at something that Peter says to us about understanding and knowledge. But we got to set it up real well. So in Matthew 16, verse 21, and I'm going to have you guys out of here by 7.59, so I'm going to get this done real fast. I'm going to assume your clock's 20 minutes fast. All right, from, the time, from that time on, this is Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain, this is fascinating to me, he began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. All right, so he's literally sitting the disciples down. He's like, hey, boys, let me give you the rundown. It's going to go real bad, and I'm going to die. But then I'm going to be raised to life. And he's like trying to explain this to him. And, and, and Peter in verse 22, like we are all Peter. I'm just convinced of it. Peter takes him aside. It's like they're walking to, and, and Peter's like, come here, come here, Jesus. Just, just for a moment, we need to talk. And, and so Jesus, you know, comes over with Peter. <laughs> and Peter rebukes Jesus. Like, if you've ever had a bad idea in life, this would be the worst. Like, don't rebuke Jesus. That's a terrible plan. But Peter does. Peter looks at, looks at him. He says, never, Lord. Uh, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And look at this. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Amen. Now let's get the gravity of what just happened. See, you and I, we live in a context and a culture 2,000 years removed from Roman crucifixions. We see crosses used as decorative items, things that are beautiful and they adorn houses. That's not what it is. 
The cross is one of the absolute most excruciating ways that humans have devised to kill people. The whole point of the cross was to dehumanize to the point that you would look at somebody. This is in Roman culture. You would look at people on a cross and they'd be displayed publicly. You would walk past them coming into the city and you would see these naked people literally just humiliated, stuck to a tree, right? And the whole point was to make them seem like they are absolutely less than dirt. They are not even human, right? When Jesus looks at the disciples, like, keep in mind, he's just explained to them that he's going to suffer and die. Peter rebukes him and says, not you. This is never going to happen. And then Jesus is like, dude, you're Satan right now. That's who's influencing you. So go ahead and get on behind me. You're a hindrance to what God's trying to do. You're only thinking of human concerns and not of what God's doing in the world. So just step on back. And then he looks at all the disciples and he's like, hey, you also got to die. Now, we, we think of this in flowery things, man. For them, they're like, the, the cross? What? That thing we walk, the, the, the thing that says we're less than human, that we're just like animals, where we're humiliated and we're stuck outside the city and we're, what? Now, how could we ever hear those words of Jesus and then go, life's going to be just beautiful roses everywhere we go once we give our lives to Jesus? That doesn't make sense. It's like Jesus is trying to tell us, hey, following me might really look and feel like death sometimes. And the only way you're going to make it is if you just accept that on the front end. Like, Because he says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross and do so, right? It's like Jesus is letting us know on the front end. like It's going to look and feel like death sometimes, so just go ahead and prepare for it by dying to yourself right now. Because then you can make it. You know? And so Peter misses it, and Jesus looks at him and he says, Satan, right? And, and what did Jesus teach us in the parable of the sower? That a lack of understanding robs our faith. We're seeing the seeds of Peter's denial right here. He's already not getting it. Even though Jesus is trying to explain it to him, he's not understanding what's supposed to be taking place, and we just see the seeds of his denial. If we go to... Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at Peter's other shining moment. <laughs> By the way, the disciples are just a wonderful bunch. Like if you go like read through the Gospels, like most of the time when Jesus is like, hey guys, just want you to know I'm going to die. They get into arguments about which one of them is the greatest. And you're just like, you guys are really thick headed, you know, like you're not, you're missing the moment. Anyways, uh, we would be just like them. All right, Luke 22, uh, let's go to verse 31. Jesus is talking. He says, Simon, Simon, Peter, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. He says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, which is really interesting because it does, doesn't it? But look what he's, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Verse 33, but he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death which is quite the turn of events from the last time we just read about him, right? The last time he's like, oh, no, ain't no way you're dying. And Jesus is like, dude, you're like Satan right now. Get behind me. So Peter apparently learned something. 
And so the next time Jesus is talking about, Peter's like, I'm ready to go. Let's go die together. And Jesus is like, dude, you're going to just absolutely deny me. Like, it's just not, you, you, you don't have what it takes to walk through this with me. Right? You don't have it. It's not going to work for you. But look at the faith that Jesus has in Peter. When you come back, strengthen your brothers. When you come back, strengthen your brothers. Would you turn to 2 Peter? I hope this will help you guys. Lack of understanding, suffering persecution, worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches are three major enemies of your faith. They're going to try to destroy you. They're going to try to lead you in the way of Satan. Peter didn't understand what Jesus was talking about, and Jesus looks at him and says, Satan, right? He's, he's missing it. Same temptations come to us. Those same threats come to us. But look at what Peter, our boy Peter, he's come back now. He's been restored. Jesus has welcomed him back into the fold. In 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, look at what Peter says. His divine power, God's power, God's very real essence, His power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. Through our knowledge of Him. I love this. Jesus said, hey, you got to understand. Without understanding you're going to miss it. But the one who has understanding, they're the ones that will produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold, right? Peter now, he's come back. He's not doing it on his own anymore. He's fallen into the understanding and the knowledge of what Jesus is doing. We see this work itself out in the New Testament in Acts. We see them starting to realize what God is doing and what the crucifixion meant and how Jesus is completing all of his work, right? And Peter now is letting us know, hey, his divine power. When Peter was with Jesus and said, I'll go with you to death, Jesus was like, no, you won't. And now Peter knows the secret. It's not what I can do. It's what he can do. It's His divine power in me through my knowledge of Him. So we know the threats. Lack of understanding is a threat to your faith. It'll erode and destroy your faith. Suffering and persecution without a proper understanding of what Jesus is doing in the world will erode and destroy your faith. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches, the thought that I can figure it out on my own, will destroy your faith. But what is the key to overcoming? Leaning into Jesus. The more I know Jesus, the more I connect with the Good Shepherd, right? The more I get with Him and I let Him just fill my mind with what He's doing. If I let Him show me what He's doing in the world and I start participating in it with Him, the more I get with Jesus, the more power comes to me to live the life He's created me to live. See, the key to overcoming isn't just understanding. It's knowing the one we've put our faith in. Is knowing Him. In Colossians, I'm gonna I'm gonna close with this one. In Colossians chapter one, I think that's where I want to go. For some reason, on my sermon notes, like the first half of it is 
the way I designed it. And then the second half, it shrunk all the letters down to like this microscopic size. I don't know why it happened. And I haven't figured out how to fix it. So I'm getting old. That's, that's the only thing I know to tell you. I'm getting old. Sorry. Okay. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 6 and 7. Now, just so you know, Colossians is a Gentile church. They don't have the whole Old Testament, like, knowledge of everything that God had done, right? They, they, they probably don't know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how God delivered them. They probably don't know about Daniel in the lion's den and how God delivered Like, they probably don't have all those stories yet because they're Gentiles. They weren't raised in it, right? And so what we do know is that the early church suffered a lot of persecution. Like, there was a big deal going on. Saul who becomes Paul, who wrote this letter, literally made it his mission to go murder every Christian he could find, right? Like, there's some serious stuff going on. There are some serious threats to their faith. And Paul writes to this church, and he says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. How are we going to overcome? How are we going to throw off all these threats that are coming to try to destroy our faith in Jesus, who are trying to lead us like Peter, who just fell into the way of Satan? Right? That's what Jesus said. You're, you're Satan right now. You're not... The moment we start thinking only about our concerns and we take our mind off of what God is doing in the world, we've fallen into the path of the Satan. Right? Are you seeing that? That's what Jesus said to Peter. You're not thinking of what God's doing. You're thinking only of what people care about. Right? And so Paul writes to this church and he says, you've received Christ. So continue to live in him. Don't, don't think that you can go and do it your own way now. We don't Pray a prayer of confession and acknowledge Jesus as Lord and then just continue doing what we've always done. Right? That's the point. I've got to learn this new way of life. And the only way I'm going to learn it is if I stay with Jesus. If I'm rooted and established in Jesus. And I love that Paul uses the word rooted because Jesus is the one that said those who have understanding they're the ones that develop the root system that's able to produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100-fold, right? So Peter lets us know Jesus gives us everything we need to be able to do this, and it comes through our knowledge of him. And Paul's exhortation would be, hey, dig in deep to Jesus. Just dig in deep, and you're going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine. So church, here's how I want to close this out. See, uh, 7.59, perfect, right on the dot. Um, and so I want to close this out. I want to just take a moment and pray over you and pray for some of you. Like I said, these are real threats to our faith. These are things that any of us can fall prey to at any time. Lack of understanding about what's going on in our lives or lack of understanding about the word or whatever can, can cause an erosion of faith. When we experience trouble, tribulation, hardship, suffering, persecution, that can erode faith. When we are starting to worry too much about what life's throwing at us, and we try to figure out a way to do it on our own. We think that maybe riches are the answer instead of looking to Jesus. These things can erode our faith and they can lead us away from Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to do this. I want to pray for anyone here tonight who maybe has fallen into one of these traps. 
And I want you to know that just like Peter was able to be redeemed, you have not been as bad as Peter. First off, you probably didn't try to rebuke Jesus. But even if you did, you can still be rescued from that. It's okay. It's okay. Right? You probably didn't look at Jesus when he says, hey, I'm going to go die and say, I'll die with you, only to have Jesus tell you, no, you won't. That probably has never happened to you. Because Jesus already did that part, so it wouldn't have to. But the point is this. All of us in our lives are faced with many opportunities to turn away from Jesus and pursue our own path. And there's always a way back. There's always a way back. Jesus is so merciful and he's gracious. So if you've been struggling with the lack of understanding that's been eroding your faith, I'm going to pray over you. If you've been going through some difficult times in life, and you're just like, God, why? And that's causing your faith to erode. I want you to know it's okay. Jesus will be faithful. It might be hard and it might be difficult, but he'll walk with you through the valley of the shadow of darkness. Just keep moving towards Jesus, right? And if maybe, just maybe, you've fallen into the trap of going, I'm not sure God's got me, so I'm going to try to do it on my own. I want to pray for you. You can always come back. And it's not, not an excuse to not do anything by the way. It's not, Jesus never said, like, just sit at home on a couch and never work. That's not what he said. What I'm saying is, you could try with all your might and still not meet your needs. But Jesus is capable, right? So we want to keep our faith in Jesus. So that's what I want to pray for. And then, um, and then we'll wrap up. Does that sound all right? Cool. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me, please. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word is life. I thank you that you teach us through your word. Father, you show us what these threats are, these things that are going to come in and try to erode and destroy our faith. You do this because you love us. And Father, we know that because we're human and we're not perfected yet, that Father, there's going to be moments in our lives, maybe many moments in our lives, when we give in to these thoughts, when a lack of understanding causes us to doubt you and to erode our faith in you, that when persecution or suffering or trouble or hardship comes, that, that it tries to erode our faith because we can't reconcile how you're leading us to abundant life and yet we can experience tragedy in this life. That sometimes the worries of this life overwhelm us and we think we can figure out a better way than what you can do for us. Father, we fall into these traps, but you're gracious and you're merciful and you come to us to restore us. And so, Father, tonight I pray for restoration for anyone here tonight who has maybe lost their way a little bit. I pray for restoration. Father, I pray that we would acknowledge before you, God, that we don't have it all figured out, but you do. And that we would trust in you with our whole hearts and lean not in our own understanding in all our ways that we would acknowledge you so that you can direct our paths. Father, may may your divine power fill us and give us everything that we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would be rooted and established in Jesus, that we would grow deep roots in him so that we may participate in your abundant life right now on this earth. Be with those who have been struggling, Father, and give them peace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. All right, church, that's it. I love you very much.
and uh, it was awesome to be here. And if you have any questions about our youth camp pump, I'd love to talk with you for a few minutes before I leave. And if anybody would like prayer for anything specific, I'd be more than willing to stay and pray with anybody as well. So be blessed, church.